This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Hi guys, welcome in. This is uh, a new episode here of the OBR Film Breakdown. We are going to have two of our fantastic insiders and beat writers here that are going to join us in just a second. I want to remind everybody, if you can, to subscribe to this YouTube channel for all of us here at the OBR so you're notified whenever we go live. Uh, Especially fun things coming up as the season starts and training camp and all of that. And then, uh, you know, give this podcast and the OBR podcast a friendly download, subscription, and a nice review. I appreciate that stuff very much. Uh, I know we, we are trying our best to push through the muck that is this tough time of season, uh, kind of pushing toward what is an exciting season, but it's downtime when it's the downtime of the June-July dread, which is the weird paradox, right? You're, you want summer to be here, you enjoy summer, but you also want Browns football to be here, so we got to... Find ways to dance around talking about these guys without making it absolutely miserable. I hope we're doing an okay job of that at the OBR. I think we are. We'll see what you think here in a minute. Let's bring in Lane Atkins, two legends, Lane Atkins and Fred Greetham. What's up, fellas? Jake, what is the good word? The 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 word is, is what is yeah, the word is word. We got nothing, man. We are I I told Lane before we came on. I was putting my son down. I almost I just fell asleep with him. I I couldn't. I could barely get back up. Three, you know, three years old. We went to Cosi today. That reopened. That was exciting. He loves the Science Center here in Columbus. Nice. Pretty pumped. Um, but I'm exhausted. So we are. We're, but we're going to plug through. We're going to talk about OTAs, guys. Fred, you're covering it. Is it? Did you get to cover them live last year? Or were they not even allowing people to come into OTAs? They, did they even? They didn't even have them last year, did they? They had everything was virtual. You know, everything was done on the computer. They had the virtual until training camp. And, uh, yeah, this was – we got to see them running around out there yesterday. They didn't do much. I mean, you had 55 guys there and one quarterback, so you really couldn't do a whole lot of team drills. And, uh, you know, it was mostly just walkthroughs and stuff. But I'm okay with it, you know, as far as – the defense is the side that needs to gel and there's nine potential starters on the defense out there that I saw, you know, you had Warden Garrett Mm -hmm. and then of the newcomers, you know, you had Malik Jackson, Andrew Billings, Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams, those three guys I'm counting that didn't play last year. And then, you know, your draft picks, JOK and Greg Newsome and Anthony Walker, you know, the signal caller. So you had, 
a couple veterans, I think four key free agents weren't there on defense. John Johnson, Troy Hill, Jadavian Clowney, and Tack McKinley. But I, I think I think it was a good showing for the defense. That's where they need to really get acquainted and come together. You know, it's funny, Fred. I find it that people are like, well, it's it's uh it's, it, they got these videos of these guys out in the out in the distance. They're they're taking these videos of guys who are. I don't think folks understand that the media section there is like they give you a little corner of a random end zone. You can't if you could walk up and film them five feet away from them, you guys would do it. I think it's just funny that people complain about videos from OTAs, and it's like you guys do understand that they heard they heard the media members into this little corner, and it's not the most uh, the most ideal spot to. Film this. Well, stuff, yeah, they, right? it's all it's all based on what field they they rotate. They got like five fields and they rotate them. And that yesterday was what they call the the backfields, which is people that go to training camp when they used to have that for fans would enter through Beach Street, and that's where mm-hmm. we had to enter. And all and we were kind of in the end zone, and there's just a little bit of concrete area we have to stay on that and the only ones that are close is the ones i videoed right in front of us they did the wide receivers doing some drills and the running backs doing drills the big guys i raised up my phone and was doing it and they were 150 yards away so it's just like i know it was nothing quality but it's like they are out there and you can see the numbers who's there and so yeah i mean you do what you can do i don't think it's going to be much different this way Here's my little pet peeve. Yesterday, the Indians were supposed to open up their stadium for 40,000 fans. It got rained out. That's 40,000 people if they showed up, no mask, can watch the game. We're 100, 200 yards from the players, and we had to wear masks outside. (laughs) You know? Yeah, man. I'm like, what is going on with the NFL? It's going to be – I think they liked last year – you know, where we're not around, we're not in the building, and it's going to be, hey, here's your 10 minutes on Zoom. Have a good day, you know? I that's do fear I that. Think. That's that's a good point, Fred. I do fear that they're going to use some of the limiting of media access that they already have tightened up over the years. They're going to limit and keep that gap there. I I, I don't think that'll be good for anybody involved. It's It's, you know, we only get so many windows into what goes on with the organization, and I know Lane does a fantastic job, obviously, of giving us insight in the building, but it's nice to hear from the players sometimes, and it'd be really nice to see live interviews. Someone asked here in the comments about how many folks they're letting in training camp. I I hope they're letting in a good amount of people by that point because, like like uh, you know, Fred just said, that it's going to be a it's going to be forty thousand capacity at, at Progressive Field. There's no reason they wouldn't be able to do that for football. So well, they, I'm with you, man. They're going to have a full 80 or 70,000 or 67, whatever first energy holds, no restrictions. You know, that's what they're announcing for Cleveland. So, you know, yeah. Hey, I don't know what in the world in the press box I'm hearing that we got to be fully vaccinated to go in the press box. So, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be a whole nother world. It is going to be a whole nother world. There's going to be weird, inconsistent things that go on with that between uh, the Browns and the NFL and everybody. It's going to be frustrating for sure. But let's talk about attendance at OTAs. It's a hot-button topic. It's a, it's like these lists people make this time of year. You shouldn't talk about it, but you kind of have to. 
Uh, I, I'll ask you, Lane, and <laughs> I know you're going to tell me, "Hey, shut up, dumbass!" But this is the question, man. Like, are they <laughs> missing? Are they missing anything by not being there? I mean, I think you could say they are missing something—a little bit of time on the field. But this doesn't really matter to the grand scheme of winning come week one. Am I right? Well, I think you have team building from the first opportunity that you can be on the field, or the camaraderie of being together and just doing things. It, it, to me, it's you're not really losing a lot in what you're trying to achieve in the early stages, but it's really more geared towards players having there's no peer pressure, and if they have the opportunity, if they want to walk in the building and and do their thing, they walk in the building and do their thing without having to have any kind of recourse or you know any other kind of strange circumstance about it but no i don't think it's a big deal right now well this this is a question for both of you guys i'll start with you fred it was a it's a question in our ask the insider section it says during ota how much time virtual time is the team allowed to have with players individual or group i know that's something that, that stefanski has mentioned right when that question's been asked that the zoom attendance has been really good everybody's been a part of that uh, do you get the sense, Fred, from Stefanski that there, there's any sort of hidden, bothered nature about the guys not being there? Or do you do you think that – let me put it this way. I'll ask it, are the Browns in a unique situ- – I'm not blaming anybody for those guys not being there, but are they in a unique situation because they're trying to stay unified behind JC and this coaching staff is trying to also stay sort of quiet about any discontent? You know what I'm saying? Like, are they just kind of keeping this all buried or – or is Kevin just generally not bothered by it? Well, I think it's a little of both. I think he takes everything, you know, and he just rolls with it. But I do think they're walking a fine line with J.C. Treader because the players, they want to be behind him, but they also, especially the Dearness Johnsons, the Greedy Williams, the, you know, the guys that have replacements staring down their necks, you know, on coming in, want to be out there and, and show what they can do. And there's a lot more names like that, the Mac Wilsons and so forth. Mm-hmm. I was frankly surprised to see 55 guys there because, you know, when they said this letter, oh, we're not coming, 55 out of 90, you know, that's that's a little break in the ranks. And so it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, there's guys on the bubble, young guys that need to show what they can do. Last year, without having preseason, without having offseason, the undrafted free agents might as well just got cut because they didn't have a shot, really. They didn't couldn't show what they could do. Some of them they kept on the practice squad. But, you know, they didn't have a chance to show what they could do because the coaches were trying to get them ready for the regular season. The veterans don't really care about the development of the young guys because they're being developed to take their jobs. So that's what I see. And so they're trying to be loyal, but they're also trying – to make the team. It's definitely a fine line. Lane, I, a question here that has come up uh, from our guest is specifically Baker and Odell. Are they missing quality time to be on track together? I would presume that even if Odell was there and, and when he comes for mandatory minicamp, which is right around the corner, I don't expect Odell to be running. I know he's posting videos and doing some things, but mm-hmm. I don't see much unnecessary action from him leading up to actual August's training camp, right? Yeah, there's not going to be any any kind of that nonsense going on. You're not going to lose anything with Baker and Od- Odell not on the field right now doing their thing. You know, when Odell's healthy, when he's when he's getting back up there, when he's 85, 90% and plus, and we're in training camp, you know, if you don't see those two on the field together and getting work in his training camp progresses, then you begin to worry. But 
sitting here in the beginning of June, yeah, there's it's nothing to be concerned about. I'll ask another question for both of you guys, which is Andrew Billings. Look, you know, I've had a couple too many cheeseburgers in my day. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> is there any friend? Is there any rumbling about Andrew Billings looking a little bigger than than the 315, 20 pounds he's listed at? I, I mean, I think this is a huge subplot of this upcoming season, which is. Guys who sat out their first season, and again, if you sat out for COVID concerns, more power to you. You had that ability, and you're, you're all, we are all taking our own risk with limited information when those decisions had to be made. So this is not against anybody who chose to sat out to sit out, but I think we're probably going to see some guys who handled that time well and some guys who didn't handle that time well. I know Andrew Billings is a big fellow by nature, but if you look at some of the Cincinnati pictures and one that just got posted yesterday, it could be about angles. You know, I don't know about angles on pictures. They can add a couple pounds here or there, but he looks a little big. What do he look like in person to you? Well, you know, I I did regret I didn't get him. He they were the guys way far away, but there was one time when they came with the team, and I said, "Who's ninety nine? Is that's got to be some undrafted guy? Is that Marvin Wilson? You know, that was Billings. You know, and I'm yeah. like." Wow, I didn't see him last year. He is he is big in the middle, and and I don't know what he looked like last year because he never was in a Browns uniform. But yeah, he looks he looks bigger than I expected him to be, and and I think that's a danger of being a big man. You know when you're you know when you have nothing to do. You know, and you're <laughs> it, it's tough for him to continue to keep the weight down. I'm confident. You know, you're in June, early June that. They'll get a hold of him here now, the trainers and that, and I'm sure whatever yeah. they want him to be at, he'll be at, or he won't maybe even be around, you know. So, yeah, to answer your question, he looks a lot bigger than I expected him to be. He was filling agree. out the 99. <laughs> <He> was, <laughs> it, it, there's plenty of time for him to, to find playing weight shape. Like, it's right. not – if he's as good as we all think he is from his film with Cincinnati, like, I think he can be a fine piece of an interior rotation. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's time there. You know, like, I'm not going to sweat about it right now, Lane. Are you are you in the same ilk? Or are you like, hey, man, this D-tackle room is tight. You better figure this thing out before the real pads get thrown on. Well, you know, there are a lot of guys in there who are going to be fighting for these jobs, but you got to look at it too. You know, Billings is a proven commodity. He definitely looks like he's not in the shape that he needs to be in. And you're looking at what, five weeks or so? He's got until training camp or so. You know, there's going to be plenty of time for him to get into that shape. And, you know, now that he's in the building and they've gotten their hands on him, you can, you can bet your ass that 
his uh, dietary habits and workout habits are going to be changing very quickly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. <laughs> I don't I don't disagree with that at all. Let's uh let's change this tub to subject to June 1st cuts. Uh somebody asked, does do teams still do that? Do you see the Browns taking a look at anyone of interest? Lane, I'll go back to you and then we'll go to you, Fred. Like I know we haven't seen any movement. Do you I guess this is a big question between now and the season. Do you think just a hunch thing, and maybe you know more than we do on this, which is always typically the case. Do you think they still will add anybody before the start of training camp, or do you think the team is what the team is? I think it's a situation that if the right opportunity presents itself at the right price, they could do something. I don't think that they're actively putting their rubber to the road and try to grind their way through and just add a guy to add a guy. I think it's going to be a situation that has to be very perfect for them. You know, and right now you just got guys that are out there that are commanding some dollars and there's opportunities that these guys seek that they don't maybe want to be backups in Cleveland. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Fred, what do you think on that one? Do you think it changes or do you think that this is kind of the group they have? Well, I think for the most part, this is it. I think you'll look and see just as they did last year, they get to training camp or, or close to then. And you'll see guys that are still available. Malcolm Smith didn't come in until Mac Wilson was injured last year, and boom, yeah. he came in, ended up being the second leading tackler. I I haven't looked at the guys, but the last I knew, there were several cornerbacks, you know, preeminent type even. Steven Nelson's one, you know, and mm-hmm. Brian Poole, a couple guys like that. If they sit around and they just, you know, don't get any offers, then I would think one of two things. They either want to gum to the Browns to have a winning season or to go to the playoffs, or like Lane said, they just want to go someplace where they can show they can step right in and maybe then get a contract next year. So it comes down, it's kind of, you know, Sheldon Richardson, same thing. You haven't heard anything about him. And so there's, there's a bunch of guys like that. I think more this year than even last year. So yeah, I think especially if there's injuries, you'll see guys getting snatched up. But I don't know if they're going to be more than special teams, one-year type, prove-it deal guys. A question that keeps coming up, <laughs> and I'll 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 answer this because it, it always is. It's I think we've had it from two different people in our Ask the Insider section. The vaccine percentage info. This is not lane. This is not something they're ever going to release, and I don't think you're ever going to hear it. They're not going to say, "Hey, we had 35 guys get the vaccine." Like that's not a thing, right? Like the NFL is not going to release that personal information. I would be very surprised if they gave any type of detail out. They they may generalize things, but as far as getting down to the uh, specifics, I don't think we'll ever see that. Well, that that's like, um. There, there are things, correct me if I'm wrong here, and Fred, you can step in because you probably know, the NFL is doing something that, that makes life much easier on those who get vaccinated, right? I think that, like, you have less testing and, 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 and it's less strenuous in that regard. You don't have to wear the tracking device. Am I right about that? Have you heard anything on that? What I've heard is, yeah, they only have to be tested, I guess, once a week instead of 
you know, every time they come in and different things like that, don't have to wear the mask and which I thought most of that was dropped, but yeah, they are going to incentivize, but you know, with hip and all that, I don't see how in the world you can, you can announce anything, you know, other than generalities. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. So that's a question that we have seen several times and, um, I just don't think we're going to ever be able to give you guys a good answer on that one. I also don't think if Lane has his source, he's going to say, hey, man, give me a number out of us, 90 guys, how many. were? It's just not It's not going to happen yeah, that way. I don't think we're going to get – yeah. I, so, you know, take that for what it is. And 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 we'll talk real quick. This last question that I've seen here um, is, is this question about running quarterbacks that the Browns will see in 2021 because I think this is actually a pretty good question. You know they're going to see Deshaun Watson if he plays. They're going to see Joe. Uh, sorry, they're going to see uh, Justin Fields. They're obviously going to see Lamar twice. They're going to see a bunch of guys who can move pretty well. They're going to see guys who can run. And and you know Joe Burrow knee injury after he's he's still a pesky runner. He's a third down running type of quarterback when it's when it's needed. Do you think the Browns will will assign people to study quarterbacks? You know, kind of watch quarterbacks. Asked this question last night to John Stephenson in Chalk Talk. You know, this notion of a Lamar stop or whatever. I, I, I think I think there's a way in which they, they can handle these things. How do you think they're going to handle running quarterbacks this year, Fred? Do you think they they try to run more man and have a spy, or do you think they run more zone and, and trust their guys can handle sitting in zones and running upfield to make the play on a quarterback when they need to? Well, yeah, I, I really, scheme-wise, I'm not sure. I just been a proponent all year getting more speed and somebody that can run with him because there's nothing more uh, deflating to a defense. So to watch, you know, have him contained and then he runs for 20 yards. That could still happen but when you have the JOKs out there, the John Johnsons out there, the Greg Newsom guys that can run and and be right with him. I think that you can take that wider that quarterback and and take away that dimension for the most part. And you almost have to make it a scheme to make them just beat you throwing the ball and not letting them rush for 100 yards. So I don't know what that yeah. is. I would almost think a spy would be what I would call it. Lane, do you think they're finally equipped, like Fred's saying, they're finally equipped to handle some of these guys who can who can be an annoying threat on third down? I mean, you know, we watched last year. How many times are the Browns on third down they couldn't get off the field? Well, you think they have enough of those pieces to get off the field against those annoying quarterback runs finally? Well, look at it this way. you got added speed, quickness, athleticism, you know, experience, and, and, and you couple in that the defensive scheme is now going to be more evolved into what it was supposed to be a season ago without this talent. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to change what they do. I, mean, I still don't think that you're going to see them just simply playing man and just spying on the, the Jacksons of the world and just attacking them. I think, I think they're going to be very scheme-specific and everybody do their job. There's, of course, there's going to be times and opportunities where they are going to have a spy, but I don't think it's going to be the primary thing that this defense is going to do against a team like, say, Baltimore. I'm with it. I'm with it. That's uh, that's. I mean, how they're able to get off the field. They created turnovers last year, but getting off the field there is what is what is so vitally important. Do you guys – we'll close with this question because this is one that's come up here and asked the insider too is – is do you think that John Johnson will be their leader defensive? I know John's not there right now, posted a little bit of some workout stuff recently, but do you think he ends up being their green dot guy, the guy who ends up 
calling plays, handling all of that stuff. I, I know Anthony Walker was a first and second down guy for the Colts last mm-hmm. year. Um, didn't really play third downs, which leads you to think that there's an element there that John Johnson could be that guy for this defense because he'll never, I don't think John will leave the field very often. So uh, would you predict it runs? I know last year they did BJ Goodson was the green dot player, but mm-hmm. I, th- I think John Johnson's probably the leading candidate there, right? What do you think, Fred? Well, I would think so. If he was with the number one defense doing it, you know, uh, with the Rams, why wouldn't he do it here? But Walker was talking yesterday after practice and he was like his leadership role and that he, one of the reasons he came here, you know, or even to the OTA was to get used to being, you know, in that position. So I, I don't think that it's, it's going to be a tug of war, but I think that ultimately Johnson, you know, would be, you, you look, follow the money. I mean, you pay a guy 30, some million dollars, you know, I think that he will be, he see, he made it sound good when he was talking to us after he signed, he said back there where he sits, he can see the whole field. It makes sense for him to call the plays. Uh, bear, or sorry, Lane, I'll ask you, this is because Barry <laughs> answered the question. I'm reading Barry's name right now. He's always on our mind. We love you, Barry. Um, the last question here is about fullback play. I think as the year wore on, Lane, the, the fullback was not seen as often as we kind of thought. I think we all kind of presumed, you know, based on how Stefanski used his his fullback there in, in, in Minnesota, that he, we would see more of Andy Janovich. We did not see as much of him as the year wore on. I think his snaps kind of started to really get cut down. The Browns started to throw it a bunch more. Mm-hmm. Do you think Janovich is an – is is fighting for a roster spot to the point that they could maybe, you know, because sometimes they'll motion tight ends into the backfield for an offset fullback look and things like that. If they're getting tight, maybe they want to keep both Demetric Felton and Dearness Johnson, something like that. Mm-hmm. Do you think Janovich could be a surprise player to keep an eye on there as someone who could uh, who could be like, oh, because they think they could get by without him? You know, interestingly, we you know, this is something we discussed, you know, as the season progressed in the later stages a year ago about how the offense was evolving and the changes that you were seeing at that time and what you know could happen over the offseason. And I think it's going to be the continued evolution. We're going to see tight ends and wide receivers and less fullback, you know, especially in a situation where you can you can drop a tight end and play into that role. I hear some Bryan, even even a David Njoku who is blocking just improved tremendously a year ago. So I don't think it's a it's a position that is in dire need as everybody had thought it was or how they predicted when they constructed the team. So I think that I can see situations where they may not need him, but I still think that in the back pocket, a fullback is a comfort zone in the offense for him. Agreed. Agreed. It's going to be, it's going to be, a, <laughs> that's a spot. You look at where they could trim because the question here, and we'll close with this question. This is the last user question I've seen here. And I'll throw it to you, Fred, Tony Fields. Like th- this is what's particularly something to keep an eye on. I mean, we're, we're not talking about big things here, but we're talking about minor roster end up minor decisions. You want to keep guys like Felton and Fields on your roster. Cause I think those guys could be picked up before they'd ever get back to a practice squad. You lose them. So yep. that's why the fullback question is interesting because it's like, could you get by without a fullback and create another spot? Tony Fields dealing with the foot injury, Fred. He's in a boot, right? I think at camp. Is that where he, at OTAs? Yeah, yeah, ankle injury. Yeah, right. yeah, that's right, ankle. So, so you know, this question here, I, I'll throw it to you, is 
Is he a guy who you think can see the field, or is he, do you think he's just a special teams guy? Because that's what the end of the linebacker room has to be able to do is handle special teams. But you know, I'll, I'll let you answer this question from the Devil Dog seventy eight there, which is kind of like, is he is he a guy you think actually ends up playing, or do you think he's just a fringe end of the linebacker room type of special teams guy? I would think he'd be similar to Jacob Phillips last year where they developed him, had him on special teams. He got hurt a little bit. But I see him as kind of they almost as a poor man's JOK, maybe as the another guy if JOK were to get dinged that could fill that role that they have that speed sideline to sideline. That's what he played in Arizona was a rover. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I think special teams is where he's going to have to make the team. But I agree. All the draft picks, I think, unless they just decide they can't play, are going to make the team because they picked them for a reason. They only had 100 on their list, and they know they'll get picked up by another team if they go to a practice squad. Yeah, I think that there's an element to how they fit those guys in that I got I to gotta keep looking at ways to how does the roster create a couple of those spots, and we'll see if they're allowed to keep extra guys the way they were last year if that carries over. So I find that one interesting. Last question, again, I know I said last question, but I swear, Lane, this is the last question. Johnny Dixon, some buzz that he performed pretty well during OTA uh, rookie sessions, rookie minicamp tryout sessions. Any buzz on Johnny Dixon, or is that just a guy they're going to maybe suggest him to another team who says, how did he look for you kind of thing? You know, I, speed guy, supposedly looked pretty well. You didn't get to, you don't get to see anything. Um, there's word of Dallas. Dallas was interested in, in him. I don't know if there's anything that's transpired with that. But, you know, if he hasn't signed anywhere, that's a guy that you, you keep in your back pocket and you look at maybe when you get in the later part of July and if you're looking for a training camp body or something or an injury, you look at. But uh, as of right now, there's nothing going on there. Okay. Well, that's good. That's a wrap. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining us. Lane, I appreciate you, Fred. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. All right, man. Enjoyed it. All right, guys. Appreciate you. Appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, thanks for, for checking this one out. We will be back over the weekend with a weekend bonus content piece. Uh, until then, and until we chat next time, go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. 
mypatriotsupply.com.